What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 7 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations set for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world for good through the way we embrace fatherhood. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it. Super pumped for you to meet today's guest, Chris Nelson. This is a powerful and raw conversation. Chris shares about his life transformation through many changes, including divorce and now the merging of two families. This is truly powerful, and I know it'll speak to the depths of your soul, especially as many men struggle with the feeling of being alone or having to kind of go through life alone. If you enjoy the conversation, please share it and write a review on iTunes. Welcome to a new day for fatherhood. What's up? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm super pumped to be sitting down here with Chris. How are you today, Chris? I'm great. It's great to be here, Ned. Heck yeah. It's it's going to be good, man. Like as I read through and as we've talked, I just go, man, this guy's got a wealth of story and life to share that other dudes are going to grow from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and to go along with that uh, wealth of story and, uh, you know, uh, some advice is a wealth of kids as yeah. well. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. I'm going to ask you a few questions just so like people can get to know who's sitting here with me right now. Okay. So you live in Northern California. Mm-hmm. How old are you right now? I'm 34 years old. I live in South Placer County. Okay. And uh, you're engaged right now? I am. Okay. Yeah. And you and your fiance have how many kids collectively? six kids combined. So. And what are the ages? So we got, and uh, hopefully I'm going to get this right because we've had a few birthdays. We have a two-year-old. Uh, we have a four-year-old, a five-year-old, two six-year-olds, and an eight-year-old. And the two six-year-olds are not twins. Not twins, but they want to pretend to be twins. There they, you go. They do everything together. All right, so clearly, just in that little bit, you're like, okay, there's some story here that we're going to get into. Um, okay, cool. And you guys, I think you said you're getting married in October in Yosemite. So you love the outdoors. Yeah, we are going to attempt to have a COVID wedding okay. in Yosemite. Black market um, wedding. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. That should be fun. Okay. And then for work, what is it that you do to provide for the family? Um, for work, I am a project manager for, uh, you know, the fill would be heavy civil uh, construction. So Caltrans type work. I, you know, I run bridge projects in Northern California, but uh, kind of like I said before, I'm just, I get to be a big kid. I get to play with the bigger toys. Okay. That sounds awesome. Did I ask you how old you are? Uh, yes. I did. Okay, so everyone's like, this guy's not 50. He's 34, yes, right? 34. Oh, man. Okay, you've lived some life the last 14 years of your adult life. Um, when you think about being a dad and the different spaces that you've been in in the last eight years, mm-hmm. what have been some good resources that you've come across through like transitions as a father? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, and I myself I'm not a big reader, mm-hmm. um, so obviously books that are fairly easy to read have always been my resource. Uh, but the two biggest resources are um, podcasts because yeah. I have hour hour and a half commutes every single day. Uh, I can just flip something on and listen to it and just absorb that by myself. Yep. Um, and the second, uh, and that's kind of just a. Yeah, an overall resource just for life is to find older men, uh, mentors that uh, can kind of call you out on stuff, give you advice. Uh, those two resources have been uh, monumental. Mm. Yeah, I just did a podcast yesterday with a dude just strictly on mentors. And it just seems like dudes who are really striving to grow in life have figured out that you can't do it on your own and that you need people to speak into your life. Right. And sometimes you have to find out the hard way. Uh, you know, that you can't do it on your own, but it's it's good to have somebody who is going to tell you to pick yourself back up or, yeah. hey, those problems aren't so uncommon as you think they are. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's good. The The problems aren't so uncommon. I think that's healthy because even with our kids, right, sometimes our kid will come to us with a problem and in our mind, we're like, ah, oh, that's not a big deal. Right. But it's like our job is to come alongside them, help them, their emotional health, like 
okay, I see why you're frustrated, but, and like work through it with them. But I don't know why we think at 18 or 19 or 20, now that I'm a man, I just figured out on my own. I don't know where that concept came from. We still need those older folks to like give us some guidance. Yeah. And I think, uh, what I heard it best is, you know, with kids and dealing with their emotions, um, is, you know, you got to give your kids a little bit of grace, you know, with dealing with their emotions. I'm 34 years old and I still can't figure out my emotions sometimes. Yeah. Why do I feel this way? It's like puberty all over again. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you think of the role of the father, how would you define that? What the role of the father is? Um, I'm a big, uh, advocate for, you know, uh, leading by example. Um, I think that your kids are going to grasp on to more of what you do uh, by your actions than what you're telling them to do. Um, so if I can lead, uh, my, my role is to, to it, it's several different roles. You know, I have uh, four boys, two girls. Uh, my role for the boys is to show them how, you know, you can be a strong Christian leader, how, how I treat their mom, mm. um, how I deal with conflict with their mom. Um, and, and talking within those, you know, argumentative or ten, uh, contentious moments. And for the girls, you know, it's, I'm the, uh, I'm the bar. I set the bar for them. Um, I want them to strive to find somebody equal to or better than I am. Yeah, that's, that's hefty, right? Because it's not about what you say. It's about the day in and day out consistent actions that you take Absolutely. and not when it's easy. Like you said, how do I handle conflict mm-hmm. with their mom? Like that's how they're going to handle it one day. So it's so easy to justify when I'm pissed my actions, you know, right. but it's like our kids are watching us all the time and man, setting the bar for our daughters. That's a, that's big. It's big time, big opportunity. Yeah, they're, you know, kids are like little scientists. They're, they're, they're testing you out, they're observing, and they're putting it in the back of their mind. Um, and, you know, as a father, it's, uh, I don't take that lightly, and I'm extremely passionate about it. It's something that when you sit back and you look at it, like 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, when they're uh, grown men, grown women, you know, what I'm doing right now impacts. I'm laying this um, you know, we use the example of like building the ship. We're building the ship for them mm. right now. Yeah, it's it's cool to think, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, even 100 years down the road, like when you and I are gone, mm. you know, it's like our name might not be remembered, but hopefully our actions and the intentionality that we lived our life with is still influencing uh, each of our families. Yeah, absolutely. Which is big time. And it feels like we think about that for, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Maybe when we think about the founding of the United States, like we think of those dudes and think how important that is. But at some point, it's like, you know, I don't know that I really look at my grandfather or great-grandfather like with that same respect. Right. You know, and I don't know. And I mean, that's why I'm doing this stuff is because at some point things are lost and I want them to be back you know, that there, there's an importance around legacy. Um, okay, so this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. So we're going to open up your field notes. We're going to dig into your story a little bit so we can all learn and gain gain from that. But the mantra is rebel and create, right? And it could be as simple as I'm rebelling against being on the phone while I'm driving with my kids to I'm rebelling against being, you know, playing a video game uh, so that I can create intentional time with my kids, whatever. It could be small or it could be like, I didn't have a great dad as a kid, so I'm rebelling against this, that, or the other to create this. So what's something that you are rebelling against now, currently, or overall with your life? And then what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Um, yeah, that's that's great. I I kind of wish I came up with that mantra, rebel and create. I use, well, you can all, have I use the hashtag all the time. But um, that's kind of a two-part question for me. Uh, you know, as a dad, um, as a father, I'm rebelling against um, this odd notion that society tells us that we just have to show up. Mm. Um, and I think that's maybe something that's generational. Um, you know, I think that like, you know, for for my parents, you know, dads were like, oh, you just, just show up, be there at their games. But that's not enough for me, and I, I don't think uh, we should allow um, our peers uh, to run under that uh, kind of notion. I want to be able to dive into my kids' lives, uh, be involved, um, and equip them uh, emotionally uh, for the future. Why does it matter to you 
Why do you why do you want that? Um, I want that because I think that from my past, from growing up, that's something that I want to build off of. And I see myself now as a, you know, a grown man and the things that I deal with. And I look back and I say, well, is that something that I could have been better equipped with as a child? Hmm. Um, and the second part is, you know, how do I equip my children with that? Uh, you know, a few short years ago, I had no, no idea, you know, what to do. And I'm still figuring it out. But you start out with mentors and you start out with books and you slowly start piecing this thing together and you realize that, hey, it's not it's not as hard, but there is a lot of intentionality that you have to have there. Yeah. Yeah. So you said it's a two part question for you. So the first one was rebelling against the minimum expectations of just showing up. Mm hmm. And what else were you rebelling against? Uh, what was the second? You, you had mentioned something else there. Rebelling against uh, was fatherhood. So um, you had said, as a man, what you're defined by. Mm. That a lot of men are defined by their past, their job, their salary, or their hobby. And when you when you said that to me, I was like, dude, that that resonates a lot with me. Like I kind of hate the question, even in this podcast. When I first started it, I wasn't going to ask what do you do for a living because it sizes us. It, like as soon as you tell me, I can kind of estimate, okay, you probably drive a truck because of what you do. Okay. And then, you know, it's probably a Ford because you're American boy. Okay. Right. And then you probably make about this much money. So I start making these assumptions about who you are, right? Just based on what you tell me you do. Yeah, so start sizing each other up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Which I hate that. I even hate when I meet somebody, it's like, what do you do? You know, it's like, but it sounds awkward to say, hey, what, what are you into? What, what, but I, I'm working on making that a question I ask dudes instead of what do you do? So why are you rebelling against that? You specifically said, you know, pa uh, past, a man's not defined by his past, his job, his salary, or his hobbies. So, right. so what's up? Why, why rebel against that? Why does it matter? So <clears throat> rebelling against, you know, I call him, you know, what, what are your priorities as a man? And, you know, Chris, you know, Chris, three years ago, his priorities were, um, you know, deeply into his job defined by, uh, mm. the work I was doing. Um, and, and even compared to other project managers, Hey, I'm running a $90 million job. It's like a small company. Um, I'm young, uh, I've progressed really quick and, I was completely defined on that. I was defined on my hobbies. You know, I like bass fishing. Uh, I like doing uh, CrossFit. What's that? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you haven't drank the juice yet, Ned. <laughs> um, but I had all these uh, these priorities that that weren't my um, weren't my my wife at the time, now ex wife, and and my family. Mm. And the that part of the question is, you know. I'm rebelling against the fact that those matter more than your family. That right. Work, hobbies matter more than your family. Um, now, let me ask you this now that as you've rebelled against that, are you any less killer at your job than you were three years ago? No, I'm, I'm, I'm better. You're better. I'm more efficient at my job. I'm happier at my job. Because you're, and you're taking less of it home with you mentally, right? Right. Dude, that's so powerful, man. It's so powerful because, I mean, that's that's my story too is just being defined by things that I'm not necessarily supposed to be defined by. And then if they get ripped away, I mean, you're destroyed. Right. You know, but you're still doing those things. It's just not, re it's not replacing what really you should be defined by. But would you say that, and this is probably like a chicken or the egg thing, but that you were unhappy in your marriage. And so those things were the thing that defined you or you allow those things to define you. And so that it kind of put a crippling on your marriage. Um, that's a good question. And I think it's more of, I was so uh, I was allowing that to define me and mm -hmm. it was crippling my marriage. Mm. Um, I think that's, that, I mean, I think that's just, it's not just a sentence. I mean, I think that's a super significant statement for dudes to, to pause and ask themselves, right. like, what am I defined by? You know, if, if people talk about me, is it, man, he's, dude, he loves his wife right. and he is really great with his kids. 
or is the first thing about your hobby or about your car or about your house or about, you know, like all those other things. When it comes down to it, though, I would if I overheard somebody talking about me and they said, man, you're a great dad. That would mean a lot more to me Mm -hmm. than he runs a whatever project or company or whatever. Right. But why don't we on the day in and day out seek that? I think it's because it's why do you think? Why do you think we don't seek that over the job and hobby stuff? Well, I think we're, you know, you look at what gives you instant gratification. Dude, oh, right? yes, for sure. It's great to go and say, hey, look, I, I killed it at my job. Today. Yeah. I went in, I negotiated, you know, X number of dollars out or, hey, look, I, you know, I posted a great time on a workout. And now um, number one in my gym, which really doesn't mean anything um, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Right. Or bass fishing. Hey. I got a $50,000 boat and we're fishing for a two gram pot. It doesn't make any sense, but you know, I caught the biggest fish and it's instant and it feels great, but it's not long-term. Yeah. But that's, what's hard is you go home after a killer day catching a fish or crushing it at work. Mm -hmm. And it's a long game, right? right? I mean, it's small moments. You have little kids. So it's small wins amongst utter chaos that you have less control of than you do at home or at work probably, right. you know? So you got to look back at the home stuff over like a one year period, five year period where you get those instant gratification in the hobbies or work. Yeah. I think one of the, uh, and I've listened to a lot of, uh, like sports minded podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a guy, Ben Bergeron does a podcast called chasing excellence. And this is just, you know, it's a, um, mindset. Uh, and he brought up this analogy of, your priorities, imagine them as like crystal glass balls. Um, your family, your friends, uh, spirit, uh, work. Well, the only one of those balls that is rubber is your work, right? It's always going to bounce back. Mm. You're always going to have opportunity to go somewhere else or you can revamp your career somehow. But the minute you drop family, some of these things are either broken beyond repair, take years to piece back together. And that, Man, that's good. I love that analogy. Yeah. Cause I look at work and that gives me, it actually makes me a better project manager because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a decision here. And if I get fired, then I guess I get fired. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I got a little bit, you know, I'm not running around reckless, but I have more confidence in that. You know, I can rebuild this career. Right. Man, that's good. I don't think enough of us, um, take the pressure off of work in that manner. To go, this is going to be okay, right? This is maybe one deal, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be others out there. Right. I don't want to have that same view with my wife, you know. <laughs> right. I want to. I want to build this long term, long term relationship. So, man, I love what you're rebelling against. So, I mean, I th- we already kind of hear it, but what are some of the things that you want to create out of what you're rebelling against? Um, you know, creating, um, especially for my my children create an example of a strong, you know, Christian person. Um, you know, I'm obviously, I'm a man, so I'm not a uh, woman example to my, my daughters, but I can definitely show them how a Christian man should, should treat them, mm-hmm. um, where their priorities are. Um, emotional health, I think is a big thing for kids. Uh, so much of the time it's like, Hey, you know, be quiet, go in your room. Hey, wh- you know, why are you feeling that way? Um, you know, why don't you like, why don't you want to do this? And that becomes, it's an even greater role when you're blending families and the kids are in separate homes and then they come back to you and you have that transition day, we call it. Mm -hmm. And to try and, uh, you got to give them some grace on transition day, man, because they are, they are going from one routine to the, uh, to a new routine and they do it, you know, every five days. Um, and it can be tough. So, yeah, man, I, I, I dig what you are, what you're creating because it's work. It is a lot of work. Um, all right, let's dig into your story a little bit. So I know there's a lot of different ways that we could go on this, but I want to dig into, okay, 34, six kids, all under eight years old. I mean, right off the bat, let's just ask some questions like, how do you show up at home after work? How do you save some energy so that when you show up, you're ready to jump in the swing of things? Now, I guess, how often are all six kids there at the same time? Um, so 
We've worked it out. We have uh, three co-parents. Um, so I'll just kind of run through the logistics. Yeah, yeah. On my side, I have uh, two daughters and a son. Uh, the two daughters are from my previous marriage. Uh, my son is from a uh, girlfriend. Um, and then uh, my fiance has three boys, um, all from her uh, ex-husband. And so we went through this past month, actually August 1st marked uh, the first time we had all the kids on the same schedule. So either they're all there, either it's all mayhem or it is all quiet on the hmm. Western front type of deal. Um, that must have been some finagling um, to get that to work out. There's some finagling, um, a lot of just dealing with different personalities. You're dealing with, you know, three other people and then their significant others as right. well. Um, so I like to think of it as when I'm, you know, I have a 45 minute commute home from the project right now and I take that time to kind of decompress. And then the minute you, I walk in the house, it's like taking off the hard hat and putting on the dad hat. Hmm. Um, and you just have to be really intentional about saying, all right, I'm not going to bring work home. I'm not going to work at home. Um, same thing with, let's go put our phone down in yeah. one spot and I want to focus on the kids. So run me through how you decompress in uh, the car on the, you have 45 minutes. So do you have any kind of routine in the car? Yeah. So typically the ride home will start out with, uh, I call my fiance, say, you know, Hey, I'm on my way home. You know, just letting you know I'm on my way home. And depending on uh, kind of the stress level that day, uh, I'll go from, you know, kind of like a, a hard rock, you know, playlist. Yeah. Um, and to kind of like a podcast, maybe like a comedy or something like that to kind of loosen me up. Um, or if it's just a normal day, it's like, you know, let's listen to a sports podcast. Let's listen to, you know, this podcast too. Right I am a student of this podcast. So it's, uh, taking the time to take my mind off of work. Cause I yeah. can think about work all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I ask because it's like that transition is something that I think, we all need to work on because I love to work. Mm -hmm. So it's like yesterday, for example, I had to leave here, the leave the office, drive to pick up my daughter from soccer and then go home. Okay. And it's like, I'm working on this big project. And so I'm listening and I'm listening to this book that's kind of helping me with it. So I'm listening to it on the way there, but that's really keeping me in work mode, you know? So then as soon as I pick her up, I put on some music that's more of like a fun fun music to get me out of this work mode and get my mind off of it. So you yeah. saying you're going to turn on some rock or, you know, I like the, you're going to listen to sports or something funny or maybe something about fatherhood. It's transitioning you from that space of work to the mental state of just being you without work. Right. And you know, one of the things, you know, we talk about children going through transition days, parents go through transition days too. You know, we have what's called a two, two, five. So there are blocks of five days where we don't have kids. Mm. And so it's almost like, you know, you're in your early twenties with no kids, you know, imagine that. And you have five days where you can go on date nights and you can, you know, work out immediately when you get home, let's say, and then all the kids roll back in and it's like, all right, now you gotta, you know, it's back into, you know, a different mode. So yeah. There's some days where, you know, that transition day is tough for the kids and it's tough for the parents too. Yeah. Yeah. What are some tips that you have about blending the family, right? So you had three kids, she had three kids, you know, what are some tips if, if, if a dude is going to go through that scenario of right. being a blended family or even, you know, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, they're in the, I'll start off by saying there's definitely no uh, blending families for dummies book out there. You, you know, couldn't find it. it. Could not find <laughs> it. Um, there's plenty of podcasts, but um, I think you know if I were to run through like maybe let's say a, a top three. Uh, first one is, and it sounds simple, but it's do you do you even want to blend your families together? A lot of people are in that dating uh, lifestyle where you know they're just you know kind of you know, playing the field, you know, for lack of a better word. But what he uh, Heather and I, uh, Heather's my fiance, um, we decided right off the bat, you know, yes, we do want to blend our families. And then it's, you know, well, how long do we want to wait? So most people say that six months is kind of that magical number where 
you know, that new relationship vibe kind of starts to wear off a little bit and you start to kind of get into, all right, do I really want to be with this person? Uh, ultimately, Heather and I decided on eight months and it wasn't because I was unsure about a relationship, but logistically wise, you know, you think about it for the kids, right? You know, they're going from 0% of this person to this person steps into their lives and let's say immediately it's 100%. Well, it's kind of like a rapid ramp up. Um, I wanted to give the kids like kind of that, that slow, if it's a graph, it's that 45 degree angle yeah, uh, with a nice slow transition. Um, and you got to decide, hey, do I want my kids to meet you know, my significant other? Is it for convenience? Is it mm. because I just don't like not being able to see, you know, my girlfriend 50% of the time because I have my kids 50%. Um, and I get kind of passionate about that because uh, too many times I see, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, they, they said this is just their friend. And it's like, well, you're not really fooling anybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this is my friend. Two months later, they're my girlfriend. Two months later, they moved in. And it's like no regard for, for the kids. They go through some of these, uh, you know, divorce is a traumatic event for them. Yeah. And so that would be, you know, that would be number one. Do you even want to? And let's consider if it's for uh, convenience or you're looking out for your kid's best interest. Um, That's really good, man. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the convenience piece, I could see how it would just be so easy to, to stumble into that. But it's like... Right really put figuring out how to put your kids first, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So, um, so that was, uh, one, you, you said you had a couple to share. Yeah. The second one is, uh, and Heather and I did this too, is, is meeting the co-parents, um, kind of prior early. to, yeah. It, yeah. It is, uh, I was nervous. Uh, I mean, I, we did meet at, you know, a, a pub, so, you know, you could at least have a beer in your hand yeah. or you're talking to, um, to the boys' dad, but I think it, it shows kind of like that olive branch type of deal where you're reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm not here to replace you. I'm here to co-parent with you. Um, whatever that looks like to them. And I have heard plenty of, um, good things about, Hey, you, you met those parents, those co-parents beforehand. Uh, I've never heard of anybody doing that. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to try that out. Um, and it just kind of sets the tone, you know, uh, that we're here for the kids. I'm not here to argue with you. Uh, I'm not here to replace you. And I think the other co-parents actually do appreciate that. Hmm. So how that conversation, I mean, it went well then. There's like a, there was a mutual, all right, we're going to do this for the kids. Right. And I've had them go, you know, really, really, really good. I've had them go mediocre and I've had them just tank on me. Um, and it kind of sets the tone right away, you know, as a, as a dad, uh, you know, like for the girls, like I want to know that uh, their mom's significant other uh, understands the magnitude, like understands my passion. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not as passionate about, you know, fatherhood as me. Maybe they're not a dad. Maybe they are. Um, but I want to be able to convey that. And if that's met with, you know, um, kind of apprehension, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. That's heavy, man, because it's like, it is what it is, right? The story has unfolded as it unfolded, and mm-hmm. and here you are, you know? And then there's these things that now you have to navigate, and clearly you're intentional and passionate about it, so you don't want to just be passive and just put your head in the sand. But you go, okay, I'm going to do with the most of my ability. I'm going to be engaged in this and let people know where I stand and hope that we can find middle ground. Right. And then really, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but the focus is the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, if you continue to remind yourself of that, because all types of personalities get involved, feelings get hurt, um, motives, you're theorizing, you know. Right, She's right. trying to, you know, she's doing this to, to try and, you know, anger me. Um, but uh, the co-parenting uh, waters are, it's, it's changing. It's like a... Um, it's like a marathon and Heather and I both realize we're at the beginning of this thing and let's not look too far ahead. Let's just mm. kind of 
deal with it as it comes up. And she is, I will give her uh, props is that she is way better at dealing with like as a people person mm. uh, than I am. Uh, you know, I'm like that old school contractor where, you know, I said it, so go ahead and do it type of thing. Yeah. And that's where, you know, separating work and, and home life comes in. Uh, but we, we both recognize those are our strengths and weaknesses and we try and uh, work together to, you know, ultimately get what we need for the kids. Yeah, man, it's good. All right. So it was, um, you guys waited eight months, uh, and then you met the significant, or you met the, uh, co the co-parents. Right. And then was there a third thing or was that in there? The third thing is just, you know, give your kids some grace, Mm. you know, and, and I don't mean, I don't want to use it as a crutch, meaning like, Hey, you know, they can sit and throw a tantrum for an hour because they didn't get something that they want and you just got to let them do it. And there's no consequences. But uh, I remember, um, you know, kind of halfway through uh, the relationship with Heather and I, we were a year in, I sat down and I counted number of, uh, I called them traumatic events for the kids uh, and uh, more notably for the girls. And I added them up and I think I had like 15, you know, it was wow. like the divorce, mom and dad move out, you know, mom and dad tell them that mommy and daddy aren't living together. Uh, you know, uh, there's brothers born um, from someone that, you know, that's not their mom. Um, you know, you have my relationship, uh, their mom's relationship. So you start adding these things up and you're like, man, it is crammed into a year and a half space. Um, give your kids some grace because they are going through some big changes. Yeah. Um, and just like I said before, you know, I'm 34 years old. I can't figure out my emotions sometimes. How can I possibly expect a two-year-old and a four-year-old to figure out their emotions on the fly? Yeah. Hmm. What are some pieces of advice of how, how you felt like you either did or didn't come alongside them well? Um, one of the things... Uh, with the girls is, and I guess I could, I could preface this by, uh, I went from being, you know, somebody that wasn't as involved in my kid's life to, um, being involved as much as I could. And, you know, I made that change uh, a couple of things. And, and I think I probably have better examples with the, uh, with the boys, with Heather's boys, with, uh, I call them my bonus sons. I don't like to use the word, uh, step. Um, but it's really trying to connect with them on, you know, the oldest one really likes Pokemon. Um, probably doesn't know the right way to play it, but we go up and it's a new set of rules every time and just spending 15, 20 minutes, um, with him, you know, for, for the middle child, he's a great baseball player. We'll go out and we'll just hit baseballs off the tee. Um, and then, you know, the, the youngest, uh, he just likes to wrestle. We'll wrestle all day long. So um, the girls uh, are a little bit different transitioning from being a, you know, quote unquote girl dad to all of a sudden having uh, three bonus sons is definitely yeah. a change. Uh, but with the girls, we do a lot of things of, hey, let's I'm just going to take you and let's go, you know, get ice cream. Let's, yeah. let's go for a bike ride. Um, you know, my youngest daughter, she'll sit in front of the TV. So it's like, Hey, if you like to do that, let's sit down and watch cartoons for an hour. Mm. So it's connecting with them on their level. Yeah, man, it's really good. So you made a comment a minute ago about you weren't really an engaged dad to being an engaged dad. Mm -hmm. That something triggered, uh, that change in you, right? I mean, I know you, I mean, clearly you went through a traumatic event as well, right? right? I mean, a lot going on. So what was it that made you go, oh, man, I'm in, right? And then also now that you're in, you're going to get three other kids right. to be in with. <laughs> what was it that allowed you to not just find some crutch or not just get more deep into work, but to work on yourself and then, you know, to then find a lady that you want to spend your life with and merge your families together? I mean, right. that's pretty significant. Yeah, and I, you know, it's a great question, and it's got some really heavy material uh, attached to it. Um, you know, divorce is—it's uh, it, horrible. I don't know any other way to describe it. It's a tearing apart. It's not a clean cut. It's just ripping apart of a family. Um, 
And every marriage goes through their problems. Um, I think a lot of times people think that maybe some of their problems aren't uh, are really unique when they're not. And if we just spoke up, and uh, myself and my ex-wife, you know, we're, we were having issues in our marriage. We had the two girls uh, at the time. I was, you know, deeply involved in defining myself and uh, with work and just screwed up priorities. And I chose to deal with my frustrations in the marriage. And probably, you know, I say the most bonehead way I could possibly think of is I stepped outside my marriage and I had an affair. Um, and then, you know, as time goes by, that that woman that I was having the affair with said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. And the consequence or result of that was uh, my son, my youngest son. And that was like a bomb went off in my life. Dude, I, yeah. You go from... It's heavy. It is. And I think, you know, this isn't necessarily addressed a lot. Not a lot of people talk about it. But when you have a child associated uh, with, you know, with an affair and, you know, my son did nothing wrong, but uh, it's very public and you can't hide. Um, And it's embarrassing and it's shameful. And it brought to the forefront a lot of things that I was doing wrong. You know, Mm. I wasn't the Christian leader. You know, I wasn't going, uh, I, I'd stopped going to church, even though I'd grown up in the church all my life. Um, I knew the expectations um, that were required of me and the roles that I needed to fill, and I just chose not to do that. And when that announcement came, um, it, I had a choice. I could have laid down and let life just mow me over. Yeah. I could have... I could have just dove deeper into my job, probably lost my job because I would have, you know, lost focus on things. Um, Or you can pick yourself back up. And it's not as simple as just picking yourself back up and saying, all right, I'm just going to tough it out. Because trying to tough it out is how I got there, you know. Wow. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So here I am. I have to make a decision. Yeah. And I have all the naysayers in the background. Hey, you're you're not a good husband. You know, you're not a good dad. You know, you don't pay attention to your kids. Um, and, you know, there was an eventual divorce, but I had a, I had a choice to make. I said, well, I can't be a good husband because I'm divorced. I'm going through a divorce process. But I can be a great dad, and I can choose to make that decision now. And I looked at um, the effort I was putting into my work and working out and everything bass fishing, duck hunting, like you name it, snowboarding. And I said, you know, each guy, uh, and I I believe this, each man, father, has the ability to be a great dad. It's where do you want to focus your attention? Yeah. You know, and I said, you know what, if I just took and took 50% of what I'm doing snowboarding, 50% of work, and took all these percentages, like I could pour all that into my kids with the same effort and dedication that I have for my job and for working out. And you know what? I, I bet you that that's going to make me a pretty good dad. So what was the thing, though, that I mean, with the naysayers, with the shame, with the guilt, the just the bomb that went off? What was the thing that made you go, all right, well, I'm going to be a great dad and then just start there? I think, uh, you know, honestly, it was I wanted to prove people wrong. Hmm. Uh, in the state of mind that I was in, I had that that mindset. It's like, all right, you say that I can't do it. You say that I am, you know, not a good dad. And you're right. I'm not. And then, But you're also saying that you're never going to improve. Hmm. And I look back and, you know, we mentioned earlier, um, not letting your past mistakes define you. Yeah. There's... Dang, that's good. How do you forgive yourself? How do you forgive yourself and, and move on? It's like, I'm sure it takes time and takes healing, but but do you have anything, like any thought around that? Um, therapy. Therapy, yeah. Um, man, it is okay to go to therapy as a dude. Talk about your feelings. I know everybody doesn't want to do it. Um, I, uh, and, and this is how I know this, this is a God thing, is that... I sat down uh, in my therapist's office who, uh, it's not like I went through a Christian therapy center uh, and figured out right away that this man was a 
a strong Christian man. And we instantly connected on that. And I don't know any other way other than running back to God, his open arms to recover from something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about building the ships. Well, my parents built a, a ship. They didn't, you know, they didn't build, you know, a battleship or anything like that. That's just meant to like come back looking great. You know, they built a ship and it was enough um, of a basis in Christ for me to go out, have trials and tribulations, come back and be able to sail back home in order to rebuild that ship and go back out. It's good, man. Snarly. It is. And I, I mean, I, I have gotten over fears of talking about it, you know, um, publicly because it's, it was, it is public and it is my past, but it doesn't define who I am. Dude, there's just so much there, you know, as I think of dudes who are listening, you know, one is you're clearly, you know, simple to say your past doesn't define you. So really self-reflecting and going like, what pieces am I letting reflect, you know, or, you know, define me right now? But I think even deeper is for us dudes to really look and go, okay, what activities am I participating in right now that are leading me towards difficulty? You know, and and clearly if you could have dodged some of those bullets, it would be great, right? right. But it's not like you would change certain things because you are who you are and you, you've, you've built what you have. But the pain, you know, pain was tough. And some of us dudes are participating in things that we shouldn't be doing right now that are setting us up for some serious pain, right. thinking that no one's going to find out or whatever. But the reality is, is it can all blow up in your face, Absolutely. you know, and, and then you're putting your kids, you know, you're putting people through things. Is it manageable? Is it possible? It, is it? Yes. I mean, you're a great example of that, but I think the beauty of you sharing this is, I mean, one for the dudes who's struggling with it right now to just stop, like to just stop and decide, okay, I'm going to be a good dude now. I'm going to be a good dad now mm-hmm. before I have a bunch more work to do, Right. you know, um, and go to work on yourself. You know, I think the therapy is huge. I don't know why we act like it doesn't matter. I mean, marriage therapy has helped us a ton. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's, we wouldn't be where we are today without it, you know, and I don't know why people think it's so bad. I think a lot more people are going to get in therapy than you realize. And it's a good thing. Yeah. I I think, you know, you talk about people who are uh, continuing with those vices, right? And uh, it sounds simple, but find find another dude that you can be real with and can Mm. be real with you. Uh, Cut those things out of your life. I'll give the the best example I have is social media. Um, I don't have any social media on my phone. I still have accounts. But Heather has them all on her phone. Hmm. And she is like, anything, if anybody emails me, tries to contact me, it's all on, um, it's all on her phone. So she'll, she monitors all that. And you know what? I'm a more productive person at work. I'm more productive around the kids. And most of the time I'm not browsing on Instagram or Facebook, just doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, man. Well, dude, I'm going to ask you my final question in a minute here. But before we do, is there is there any last thoughts or anything that you want to make sure to say or share, you know, as you think of other dads listening? I mean, we covered a lot of really good stuff, but I don't want to close up if there's anything else that's kind of like on your mind that you would want to talk about. No, I mean, the, <clears throat> I think we, t- we did touch on a lot, a lot of heavy stuff. Um, but, you know, guys out there, you're not alone. Mm. You know, you... Uh, those problems aren't as uncommon as you think. We got hundreds and hundreds of years and generations of men out here. Um, and uh, somebody's got to have gone through what you're going through right now. So, you know, just seek out those people. Dude, I think that's so, so good because you're not alone is one thing to say, but it's a total another thing to say somebody else has gone through it. And to think that somebody else has gone through it gives you an opportunity to either go out and find that person to help you or to know that, dude, some other dude is struggling like you are. So you need to man up and get through it and figure it out so that you can then be a spokesperson for somebody else, which is what you're doing right now. Absolutely. You know, and us dudes, we need to be sometimes I think, man, you know, if it's just me, dude, I'll have a mediocre life. It's just me, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I don't need to not be fat 
moron. <laughs> but when you start thinking, man, other dudes, like other dudes, like my brothers need me to level up so that they can too, or my son, or my daughters, right? I think that then all of a sudden your why, your motivation to get deep into yourself and grow is, is I mean, it's much better if it's not selfish reasons, right? Yeah, once you realize the magnitude of, of, uh, of your actions on your children and you're looking generations down. Oh man. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a wake up call. It's heavy. Yeah. It's big time. And it's possible for anyone, you know, I mean, there's so much self-help, self-motivation, self, whatever stuff out there, which I love all like a lot of it, you know, but I think so much of it we're going after just to make more money or to build something bigger, you know? Um, and maybe, Maybe that's possible for every single person. I don't know. But I do know that every single dude, like you said, every dad has the opportunity to be a great father. So you might not be able to be whatever you want. Like I'm clearly not going to be a professional basketball player, right? But I can be whoever I want, right? I can go out and be the husband, man, friend, integrity, the character that I want. I could could develop that. It's going to take work, but I could do that. Yeah, I think uh, maybe just my last thought is when you when you go through a divorce and there are co-parents, um, a motivating factor is that you now have somebody else, another man that's going to come into your children's lives. Do you, uh, and let, let's say that person is ideal, they're a great co-parent, but do you want to let that person be the only person that influences your kids for mm-hmm. their future, you know? Um, and for me, coming from that, uh, you know, that sports mindset, that competitive, it's like, no, I, I want to be there. I want to be number one. I want to yeah. be the guy that my my daughters look to. Um, and yeah, they can ask that other person for advice, and I'm going to co-parent, you know, you know, as long as I can with them, whatever we need to do. But I'm I'm their dad. You know, I want to be number one. Yeah, and you you got to fight for that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And it sounds like your situation for the most part has not been where you have, you know, gnarly fight for it. But I, you know, there are so many dudes who just give up, who give up that fight of like, well, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just let it go, you know. Um, No, man, your kids need you. Right. They need you. That's big. All right, man, here's my last question. It's a legacy question. So kind of stuff we've been talking about, you know, generations down the road. So say in 30 years, 30 years, you raise these six kids, they're out in the world living with their own families, their own relationships, and you're standing out on the street, peering through their windows, taking a peek into their lives. What do you hope to see? Um, I love the legacy question. That's, that's one of uh, our five family core values. Uh, when I look out, you know, 30 years, I, I want to be able to look at my children and see growth growth beyond the, uh, the platform that I've given them. Hmm. Um, I've made significant steps as a father from where my dad was, um, for the boys, you know, I want them to make significant steps for them being fathers to their children. Um, for the girls, I want them, I want to look into that house and see, you know, I know, you know, we always, look as, as at the man as a leader of the family, but I also want them to understand that as Christian women, you know, they can, they can stand up and speak their mind, you know, they can be powerful, um, powerful women, you know, and I think that I, both Heather and I have set a great example for those and, and their mom. Uh, I want to see, uh, I would love to just to see for one grandkids, <laughs> right? Um, and I want to see little bits and pieces of my home and theirs and how they've made their home unique and taken on that role, um, and continue to grow and focus on the family. Man, that's huge. It's good. It's really good. So something you said in there, you said legacy was one of your five core values as a family. Right. So what's up with the, what, what's up with the core values for your family? Um, so I started developing, I developed core values, um, I think about a year and a half ago. Nice. And the reason I came up with core values was, uh, 
the point of core values is to know, hey, these are five core values in my family. If I ever have to make a decision, they're already made for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so faith, family, uh, love, integrity, and legacy. Love it. And uh, whenever I come home and I'm like, man, I really want to work out. And but the kids need, you know, Heather needs help with the kids. Well, our core value is family. One of those. Working out is not on those five is not on that list. So it's the decision is made for you. We have them posted up in the house. Hey kids, these are our family core values. Uh, we have them our, above our little, um, we have a Bible nook, a prayer area for the kids. And we have them posted there as well. And uh, it's just a, a quick five word reminder of, hey, this is what we stand for. That's good. Dude, really good. Chris, man, I so I was really excited to talk fatherhood with you today. I know we've, you know, messaged each other and I see pictures of your family and I just was excited to hear your story and and then know that it came with it, there was a lot to it, you know, and I think that uh, when men are vulnerable and they share their story, it's like I learn so much and I know if I'm learning so much other dudes are too. So Dude, keep being that intentional man that you are. Keep focusing on your family, loving your fiance, and building your family together. Um, and dude, I just love what you're doing. And I, I love that you're 34 with six kids, eight and under. You're a beast, dude. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I, I enjoyed the time here and chatting. Yeah, dude. I look forward to uh, just hearing more about your kids and getting to know you better. So thanks for being on the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Man, was that incredible or what? I so appreciated Chris's vulnerability and transparency to share his story with us. A couple things that stuck out is him talking about your problems aren't as uncommon as you think they are. Um, My past doesn't define who I'm going to be. Super good. And then uh, lastly, your marriage problems are not unique. Speak up, get to work on those things. Really powerful stuff. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, every Monday I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, which you're listening to now. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls in the same spot, Rebel and Create, but it's Craft of Fatherhood. And I just discuss a question or idea or thought. Um, So if you have something you want me to talk about, send it over, net at rebelandcreate.com. My goal is by my 100th podcast, which is just around the corner, to have a hundred reviews on iTunes. I am quite a distance away from it, so help me out. Go write a review on iTunes. That would be super rad of you. Uh, thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time. Thank you.